Hey, y'all, Sam Sanders here in my apartment going through all of the streaming whatever services I pay for every month. I pay for Hulu. I pay for the extra Hulu thing where you get, like, live TV on it. I pay for Amazon Prime Video. I pay for Netflix. I pay for the fastest high-speed internet to watch all of those things. But you know what? When I add it all up, I realize I listen to public radio more than I watch any of those streaming platforms combined. And here's the thing. Public radio, unlike all those other things, we don't send you a bill every month. All we do is every now and then ask you to give. So I'm doing that now. If you go right now to donate.npr.org slash Sam, you can give and support the original streaming service, Public Radio. Your donation helps local stations across the country. Also helps shows like this keep coming at you with fresh, new, hot content. Go to donate.npr.org slash Sam. Thank you. Hey, y'all, from NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Happy, happy holidays. In honor of the holiday season and the holiday spirit, we're going to give you perhaps the most festive interview in It's Been a Minute history. It's a conversation full of good Christmas music and full of good cheer. Talking about my interview with Grammy Award winner PJ Morton. You may know PJ Morton as the keyboard player from Maroon 5, but he's an amazing solo R&B artist in his own right. Last year around this time, PJ put out a really well-done Christmas album. Christmas classics with the soul of Stevie Wonder and Donny Hathaway and a sprinkle of New Orleans bounce on top. Really, really good stuff. This album is called Christmas with PJ Morton. We here on the show thought that my chat with PJ about that album would be the perfect thing to share with you all here on this Christmas Eve. So here it is, my chat with PJ Morton, full of Christmas goodness. Happy holidays. What is your, like, tour regimen? Like, what do you have in your trailer? What is your routine? All touring artists, I feel like, have their own little thing. Yeah, we're pretty chill. I mean, we play a lot of cards. That's how we pass time on the what road. What games? That's a big... Uh, we play spades. Okay. Oh. <laughs> even multiple okay. games. We just play a bunch of spades games. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to announce that I am three-time international champion right now. International? So. Yeah, yeah. We've played all over the world. We played in Australia. <laughs> we played all over Europe, all over Asia. It. So, yeah, yeah, I it's a real it. thing. <laughs> Yeah. So I want to talk about everything you've done, but we're going to talk about your holiday album. Um, okay. And I got to say, for starters, I have a very high bar for holiday albums and for holiday yeah. classics and people trying to mess with holiday classics. Sure. But I'm going to tell you, PJ, the first track of the album, it kind of showcased how you are preserving the soul of these classic tunes, but finding ways to reimagine them sure. in some pretty lovely ways. Like, for instance, his first song on the album, it's a reggae version of Winter Wonderland. I like it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. What made you want to do it that way? 
you know, it was really important to me. So I'm, I like you, am a, a hard critic of Christmas albums because I love the classics. And, oh, and yeah. the reason those songs have been around so long is because they're just so well written and exactly. the melodies are already perfect. Um, so I definitely wanted to keep the essence of these songs. But also wanted to make it exciting to listen to. I mean, they've been done a million times now. Um, so I didn't know which song I wanted to be reggae, but I knew I wanted to do a reggae version of a huh. Christmas song. And actually, my drummer mentioned Winter Wonderland. And as soon as we started, we were like, yep. Really? That's it. You so, just knew. Yep. That was the one. We didn't try another one. We went straight to that one and it just flowed. To face unafraid, plans we made, walking in the winter wonderland. Oh, when he walked in the winter. Oh, my. Oh, Well, and then there's this like little vamp you throw in there that I haven't heard done with that song before. Yeah. Where you kind of vamp on like walking. Oh, my. In the winter. Is real cool. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of uh, it's kind of a church thing, you know. It's oh, probably, totally. It's probably me. It's probably me growing up in church where I, I just wanted to vamp it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because church folks can make any song last as long as it needs to, and a vamp will do That's, that for you. You're, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> um, another question I have for you is like, what songs you choose to cover? Because with these classics, some of them are so classic that when people cover them, they only embarrass themselves. You know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. And you made a big gamble in covering Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is you. Big shoes mm-hmm. to fill, but I think you filled yeah. them. We're going to play some right now. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents. Underneath the Christmas tree. So you slowed it down, made it even more soulful, giving me some Stevie vibes. Yeah. More than you could ever know. But like, were you afraid to tackle this song? Uh my uh my plan for that was to just not compete with Mariah, you know. <laughs> You know, it's like, let me get out of the way, <laughs> totally. Let me make this a whole Good other choice. thing, you know, where it's like, we're just apples and oranges, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, first of all, it's hard to create a modern Christmas classic. So, like I said, I stayed true to that melody. Hers is classic, and it always will be. But, yeah, that was my um, my strategy was just to get out of the way altogether. See, I just want you for my own, Why do you think it's so hard to make a modern day Christmas classic? Because there really um, hasn't been a, like, a, like, a, like a new classic since that song, which is what? Yeah. 20 years old now? Exactly. Um, I don't know. It's got to, it's, it's a perfect combination of things. It's got to be like, repeatable you know like mm-hmm. replayable like you've got to want to hear it over and over but you also got to say something kind of fresh but yeah. also not really you know you gotta you gotta talk about the things that 
have always been talked about. You know, they're yeah. talking about the mistletoes and they're talking about <laughs> presents under the tree. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just a there's got to be a perfect little combination that um, I think if people actually knew the uh, the uh, the chemistry of that, they would be doing it over and over. But it, I don't think anybody knows. You just kind of fall on that. And Perhaps the biggest influence I'm hearing on the album and on honestly all of your albums is mm-hmm. the church, the black church, yeah. the southern black sure. church. And like it's most evident for me in this album, there's this like good 30 seconds or so at the end of one of the original songs that you have for the album. It's called Do You Believe? And like mm-hmm. the last 40 seconds or so, it's just straight up church organ. Yeah, B3. It's beautiful. Thanks, man. And it takes me right back to church Sunday morning when the organist is filling that time between the offering and the announcements, you know? That's right. The organist gets to go Yeah, we call it talking music. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. I love it. (laughs) So that's just really me being me. Yeah. And I could never uh, get away from, from my upbringing. You know, I thought about a transition going from um, from that song to I'll Be Home for Christmas. And I'm like, you know, let's do a church thing going into the next song. And it, uh, it felt right. I'll be home for Christmas. You can plan on me. Did you play in your church growing up? Oh, yeah. Big time. I wrote... I wrote a lot of songs just like that, sitting on the organ while while my dad was talking yeah. <laughs> during church. And presents on the tree. Ooh. Christmas Eve will find me. And um, a lot of melodies and, and uh, songs would come to me right there. I would veer off into my own world playing that talking music and talking music. Work on new songs, yeah. Speaking of I'll Be Home for Christmas, mm-hmm. I want to play a bit to okay. showcase the wonderful horn and string arrangements you have all through this album. If only my That's beautiful. Who's doing those arrangements for you? Matt freaking Jones. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, yeah, Matt Jones, he's kind of, you know, my partner right now since Gumbo. Um, mm-hmm. He just gets me. I just think he's the perfect partner. I, I've, I've watched a bunch of Frank Sinatra things and how really um, became, I mean, that's what made me bring on Matt. You know, I was listening to a lot of Frank before I did, um, before I worked on Gumbo. And I knew I wanted a lot of orchestration. But I, when I think back to his and Quincy Jones' relationship, you know, and how the orchestrator was just so important to what he was trying to do in that era, um, I, I think of Matt Jones that way, where it's like those arrangements are just They're luscious. insane. If only me, my dreams. 
I miss, I mean, it's it's like you hear top 40 music nowadays. God, I sound old. <laughs> and you never hear this anymore. Yeah. And I know that sound. I've heard that sound my whole life, you know? Yeah. It's almost like magic. This message comes from NPR sponsor Doctors Without Borders. Doctors Without Borders teams confront hard facts in conflict and crisis zones. When others look away, they step in to act. In emergencies and their aftermath, they provide essential health care, run hospitals and clinics, perform surgery, battle epidemics, carry out vaccination campaigns, and more. Information on their efforts and campaigns in over 70 countries can be found at doctorswithoutborders.org. Hey everyone, it's Guy Raz here. So I began hosting NPR's TED Radio Hour seven years ago, and our next episode of TED Radio Hour, well, it'll actually be my last one. It's called Life Lessons, and it's got some incredible ideas and insights, including some of the lessons I've learned over the years. Listen now. So I did not know this until I was prepping for this interview, but you are the son of the Paul S. Morton, who... I grew up listening to. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. That's cool for me. Uh, yeah. We, we, we joke with each other because his shadow was so huge growing up, you know. I'm sure. But now he he jokes around and says people walk up to him and say, hey, you're P.J. Morton's dad. You know, <laughs> I used to get I used to get your Bishop Morton's son, but now he yeah. gets it more than me. So yeah. it's working out. I got to play a little bit of your dad just to show our listeners how this man sure. Bring it. Uh, there's this song, Your Tears, mm-hmm. that my mom used to play in the car for probably two or three years straight. And your dad Man. was wailing on that song. Your tears. He's a crooner. Yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, 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 I remember that. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it sticks with you. Yeah, yes. it's crazy. My dad could have took a much different path. They wanted him to be like Al Green's competition back then. Really? And Records wanted to sign him. And really? uh, he just knew that he wanted to be a preacher, and that was his calling. But um, it wasn't because he couldn't hang, you know. He's, he's, a, he's a bad man. Are you ever on your dad's albums? Um, yeah. Well, that one, I was too young. I was in the youth choir on one <laughs> <Okay>. song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I have, I've worked with my dad and, and recorded with him and written for him and whatnot. So we stay close. Did he trip out when you were like, I'm not only going to do gospel music? Yeah. Uh, yeah, initially, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. There was, there was some, uh, some pushback uh, from my family initially. Um, mostly... I think in the beginning, they felt like it was just a, a rebellion, you know, a preacher's kid just rebelling. Yeah. Um, was and then it? Once, uh, no, I don't think so. I just felt like I genuinely wanted to talk about more than just God, you know. Um, mm. I just felt like there was there was so much more um, in creativity to talk about. Life, you know, all the things, if you believe he's the creator of all things, then... Let's talk about all those things he created, not just yeah. him, you know. Uh, so uh, it wasn't a rebellion for me. It was just me uh, feeling a need to, to talk about more. And um, I think when he saw that my purpose was, you know, as potent, you know, and as important, 
you know, he let go of that and, and just got behind me like a like a great father. He's been my my biggest support system. Um, but I, yeah, I'd be lying if I if I said that he didn't have a dream of me like you know following his footsteps for sure. Yeah. So you know, I I I was in New Orleans one summer for an internship, mm-hmm. and while I was there, I was like, I got to go to Paul S. Morton's church, and yeah. I did, and it was amazing because he does this thing where he understands very well the theatrics and the timing you need to make a church service and to make a song at a church service pop. And so there's Mm -hmm. some song the choir's singing, and he's like still sitting down because he hasn't gotten up yet. But the choir sings Mm -hmm. the song. You think the song is done. The band brings it back up. Your dad gets up from his seat goes to like the lead singer takes the lead singer's mic and starts singing the song again he's like bring it back and he just has this 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 this, such a precise read of timing and pacing that is just impeccable it's impeccable i think i think part of that is is just instinct um part of that is just he's been doing it for a long time man you know and um for me he he was the greatest teacher Mm. uh, just being able to watch him you know, lead, lead over people and, you know, control a room and be sensitive to a room. That's really what it comes down to, being sensitive and being open. Yeah. So I couldn't help but become a, a studied performer. You know, I got to watch him for years and years and not just watch him, but play behind him, you know, so yeah. be connected to that same process. What is a thing that you find yourself always bringing to your live shows, to your performances that you learned directly from him or saw him do all the time? Yeah, well, I think the call. I think the involving people. You know, mm. I've watched. I've I've been a part of things and watched things where people just perform to the audience. You know, yeah. Um, but for me, church was, and what my dad did was involve the people, talk back to me, sing with me. I always say, um, and I'm not exaggerating, that I have the best sounding audience yeah. of, of any artist. Uh, yeah, my, my audience can sing, man. Always, any city. They're harmonizing without me asking, you know. I uh, but it. I think the call and response is, the, is definitely the, the, the biggest thing I took from him. Support for It's Been a Minute and the following message come from Green from Amex. A little pep talk goes a long way. Whether it's over a big old plate of comfort food or a comfortable drive out of town with your besties, Green from Amex can help cheer you on with three times points on restaurants and travel, including car rentals. It's built around your lifestyle so you can keep doing you with an extra boost of confidence. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Green from Amex. Terms apply. Hey, y'all, before we get back to the show, I want to remind you one more time of how you can keep this show coming to you every week by supporting the work of your local NPR member station. To do that, go to donate.npr.org slash Sam. Or just text the word Sam to the number 49648. We'll send you a text message with a link where you can find your local station and make your contribution. Message and data rates may apply. You can visit npr.org slash SMS terms for privacy and text message terms. I want to talk about another influence of yours, which mm-hmm. anyone listening can hear. Um, Stevie Wonder, uh, we actually asked you ahead of this chat to share with us a few of the songs that you like to hear uh, during the holidays. You sent us a Stevie Wonder song called Someday at Christmas. I want to post a little bit of it right now. Someday. Christmas men won't 
boys Playing with bombs like kids play with toys One warm December our hearts will see A world where men are free how old was he on this song? He had to be young, man. It was like young Stevie. He was born in 50, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like early 20s. When we have found what life's really worth, there'll be peace on earth. Someday all our dreams will come. What about him is so influential to you? It's so many things, you know. I, it's, so, it's so crazy. I tell people that I wasn't a fanatic in that way where I was like listening to every word. It was more, uh, I internalized it in a way. It spoke to me deeper than what was being said or played. It was kind of like a connection of like, oh, this is the way I want to say things. And his voicings, you know, his changes. The melodies um, are just something we, we still haven't heard, you know. Oh, totally. On, at, at that level. Um, like, his so. chord changes were weird. They were strange. Yeah. They were, like, out there. Yeah, but his genius was they were weird, but then he put a simple melody on top of it. Yeah. And you don't even realize it's weird. And to, well, me as a musician, right, I, 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 I wouldn't even realize they were weird until I tried to go play it. And I'm like, wait. <laughs> He changed keys right there. I didn't even, I thought we were in the same key right now. You know, yeah. the genius is when you can be complex and uh, serve it in a way that's like, feels simple. Yeah. But someday at Christmas time, someday at Christmas time. Now we, and now we can't get away from Stevie without pointing out that you had the honor of uh, working with him. Y'all did a song together. What song? Absolutely. Um, It's a song called Only One on this album I did called New Orleans. Um, We were nominated for a Grammy for that song, actually, 2013. Best R&B song. Yeah. And he played the harmonica, right? He played the harmonica on it. Yeah, that's right. And, and, uh, you know, to me, still my... My greatest accomplishment for me, my personally in my career, is to be able to work with Stevie, and uh, so yeah, I still don't get used to it. We have sort of a relationship now, you know, where oh, I can snap. call him if I need to. But uh, I wait. Don't when even, does one need to call Stevie Wonder? What is the that's what, what I'm is saying. the circumstance? I don't even take advantage of that. I'm like, man, I'm I'm not bothering Stevie Wonder. You know, it's still <laughs> like he's still. I hold him in such high esteem. It's like, hey, man. I know I can, but I'm going to just chill, you know. Yeah. Uh, Favorite Stevie song? Oof. Um, there's this song called Summer Soft. Okay. That's my favorite. I go deep cut with Stevie. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say yeah. Golden Lady. It's great. From Inner Visions. The greatest Mo- Moog bass performance ever is on Golden Lady. It's so good. Yeah. Well, also, yeah. like, I, like, came to Inner Visions at this really interesting... Like, so I we grew up in a gospel music only household like we could not have mm-hmm. any secular music in the house sure. and i remember buying intervisions at like a half price books or whatever when i was in like eighth mm-hmm. grade but i would have to sneak to the bathroom to listen to it 
Wow, That's how I would yeah. be holed up in the bathroom with the door locked for hours, just playing inner visions over and over. That sounds very similar to me. Really? Uh, it was probably eighth grade. I was 13. Yeah. And I, well, so somebody gave me a cassette tape with um, Never Dream You Leave in Summer. And mm. that sparked my curiosity about Stevie. So there was a Circuit City uh, around, <laughs> my, around my house. Yeah. R.I.P. Circuit City. <laughs> and... um so I started to buy Stevie Wonder CDs in chronological order. I started with like music in my mind. Oh, wow. And um, I literally went into like a, a a Stevie stupor and I wouldn't listen to anything else. Wow. Um, but like Stevie albums. And so yeah. I wasn't writing songs then yet or anything, you know. Um, but the influence came, I think, because I just was in Stevie school for, I don't know, it could have been a whole year yeah. I don't remember. I just remember my friends being into whatever was out currently. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, man, you got to hear this from 1968. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to hear Stevie this, school. This, this music of my mind from 1969. Yeah. yeah. And my drummer, who's still my drummer now, I would make him listen to Stevie all day if he came to my house. So, uh, But he's still rocking with me, so I guess it worked out. <laughs> Stevie school. Yeah. Back to you having Stevie's number, basically. What would rise to the occasion of you saying, I'm calling Stevie? I don't know. But I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing something with him actually before the end of the year. I don't think I can announce it yet, but um, we're doing something together before this year's out. All right. Yeah. Well, you got you got less than a it's month to put it out there. It's my boy. It's my boy Stevie. Yeah, it should pro- it should be out. It should be out today or tomorrow actually. Oh well, then just say because it's going to run next week. I don't even. I don't even want to. <laughs> Okay, I don't okay, even okay, want okay. Yeah, yeah. It's Stevie, man. I just told you. I just told yeah. you. <laughs> you, can't, you can't mess with that. That's, nah, that. I'm not messing. I'm not messing with your relationship. That's bad. Yeah. Juju. You don't want that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. I'm holding it. Just nuts roasting on an open fire. Hey, thank you so much for your music, for your time. I'm a really, really big fan. My pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. It was good talk. Of course. All right, man. Take care. All right. Being sung by choir and folks just up like Eskimos. Everybody knows a turkey and some Thanks again to PJ Morton for that chat last year. His album is called Christmas with PJ Morton. It is full of soul and good cheer. Listeners, stay tuned this Friday for a special episode of the show featuring a few of my favorite writers from 2019. Some amazing books and amazing conversations. Good stuff to end the year on. That is on Friday. Until then, thank you for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Happy holidays, everyone. Talk soon. And he's loading lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. And every mother's child is going to spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly.